guys, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Sports Podcast Network, and we have a, uh, a lovely, lovely show in store for you today. We have the returning Dark Sheik on the show this week. It has been one hell of a year for Dark Sheik. Between the return of Hood Slam to crowds of thousands, to uh, her continual rise in GCW, matches against Nick Gage, AJ Gray, Ali Catch, appearances at the Hammerstein Ballroom, um, and two really uh, interesting and exciting matches coming up at WrestleMania weekend with Charles Mason and Impero. Um, the latter of which uh, another appearance at the Big Gate Brunch. So what? there was really uh, no better time to welcome Sheik back onto the show and kind of just talk about everything that, that she has done this year, um, as well as you know her being nom- uh, named to this, the second class of Paris Honors this year, too. Um, there was just, there's been a lot going on for Sheik. Um, which, I mean, knowing how beloved and amazing she is, there's no surprise that that would be happening. But it's been quite a, a time for her since we last spoke on the podcast. And, you know, sometimes you just got to sit down with people and, and, and unpack these kind of things. So we're not wasting any time this week. Uh, let's jump right into my interview with the indomitable Dark Sheik. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I am very pleased to have as my guest this week uh, someone returning to the show for the first time in a while. Uh, absolute legend, honestly. There, there's no other word for her uh, in terms of descriptors, really. The the mother of Household Slam, the <laughs> the current reigning Agua Oakland champion, and of course the High Priestess of the Church of Pro Wrestling. Please welcome Dark Sheik back to LGBT in the Ring. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, I'm always happy to have you on. Because um, especially right now, because like we're kind of like at this crux of a, of a year for you that has been amazing to see. Like, obviously, like you've been in pro wrestling for, for 20 years at this point. Uh, an iconic career. Um, but it feels like this past year, you have been on so many more screens and so many more people's purview, uh, whether it be through all your work with GCW or with you know the offshoots with LA Fights and most recently with JCW as well. Um, you've got two big matches coming up as we head into WrestleMania weekend here, uh, going up against Charles Mason and Pero at uh, the Big Gay Brunch. I don't know. It's, it just feels like the perfect time to kind of sit down and just kind of like chat with you about what this experience has been like for you over the past year. Um, I agree. It's a good time to chat about it because so much of it seems to me is just like always like the next weekend. I'm always kind of going forward and I don't often have a chance to like sit back and be like, well, what did I do a year ago? Or what are my feelings about my current trajectory? Because all I really see is the next uh the next thing i'm supposed to be at (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but I can tell you that I'm like really grateful and I feel like in spite of, um, you know, the, the way I just described it, I do feel like really good about how things have gone. And, and I have a lot of different feelings about that too, <laughs> to put it uh, just quickly. I don't want to like to digress immediately. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. I mean, I, I think there would be a lot of uh, thoughts and emotions around the stuff because you know, you've had a lot of high profile moments over, over the course of that time span, you know, whether it be, you know, I think the last time we spoke for the podcast was like right after you had wrestled Effie at the, at the GCW show in Vegas, which really felt like uh, a, a high point or a spark for, for what we've seen over the past year. And then you fast forward to the, to the Nick Gage match, which I think was the one that in a lot of people's minds kind of cemented you in, in terms of like the, the GCW fan base mindset in, in that way. When did you feel over the course of, of this run that you've had with, with GCW that you were in a place that you like fit in a way, or did you ever? Hmm. Yeah. Do I want to? That's a, that's uh, another valid question. Um, <laughs> Hard to say. I've never thought about it in those terms exactly, but I can say that the Nick Gage match was very much a turning point because uh, it showed that I was there for real. I wasn't a tourist. I was here to be a part of things and to make sure that if I'm on a GCW event that, that it seems that I'm going to give an effort. I'm not going to try and just get through it. I'm going to try and excel. At least that's my, my hope. That's what people took away. Um, I'm going to try and do the, like, give the people their money's worth and give, give Nick a match worth his time, um, you know, and give everyone who was chosen, <laughs> who was not chosen for that spot or everyone that maybe would have liked to wrestle Nick, but instead I did, like, show them that it wasn't a waste of a, of a choice, that it was worthwhile, that I did deliver something and you know, that's something that maybe they feel they'd have done better or, or not about, but they definitely can say that I gave it uh, honest and decent, and I'd say, God damn it, even good effort. <laughs> um, and when Nick says you're cool, you know, who in GCW is going to argue? Uh, you're spot on there. Like, it, it feels like the, the fan base really does kind of ebb and flow a lot with uh, a, Nick, a Nick Gage endorsement yeah. in a way. Cool. And it also took me from this like spinoff, you know, Epi's big gay brunch wrestler to like, no, this is just a wrestler here. This is not like an LGBTQ sometimes, um, you know, this is uh, all the time wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I, that's probably like the best part of what we, what as from my perspective, as someone watching at home has seen with, with a lot of your, your work there is that you have seen that transition from just being a part of the big gay brunch to being a part of you know gcw as a whole which you know i feel like that you know i've spoken with effie and 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 it really feels like that is a major goal of his when it comes to the big gay brunch is to get the feature people that can break out and be in, in other places whether it be gcw or somewhere else where it's not necessarily like completely 100 dictated on any kind of like identity it's just about like how talented you are in in terms of a, a pro wrestling uh facet yeah i think it's 
great that there's a show for us. So there's many shows for us because we've been underrepresented for so long. Um, and I would never, <laughs> you know, be upset about being on a gay show. But I also think that all of us just want to be reckless. We didn't like have this idea of being, um, you know, at the forefront of a movement or being part of like this wave of people who are identified. Like, you know, it's all good and it's well, but at the end, at the beginning, we just wanted to be wrestlers. Um, so it's nice that that so many of us can be seen that way. I hope more, you know. No, likewise. I mean, there's a lot of the the talent that are on a lot of these uh, LGBTQ focused shows uh, are like they have the the ability to to really make it anywhere. I, I feel yeah. like a good chunk of them. So like, it makes total. Sorry, go ahead. We're all kind of like forged through fire because, like, yeah, when you get someone who's big and burly and tough, and they step into wrestling and you know, that, that seems like a real easy fit. That's a square peg in a square hole. But when you have someone like, who, you know, has more of a aesthetic and is a little bit more of a personality and that personality isn't always accepted, you have to go through different steps to get to the same place. Um, and that's not just like a LGBT thing. That's, you know, it's black wrestling, but that's every minority wrestler. It's even um, a lot of, yeah, you know, women, just everyone, really. <laughs> we all have our own journey, is what I'm trying to say. But um, yeah. our road kind of, you know, it makes sure that you have something to deliver. Because if you don't, people will pick it apart. And we're all, from what I can tell, pretty, like, big on improvement and wanting to be the best we can be and take that very personally sometimes. So what you see is some of the best people on the shows because of that mentality. They know if they slip that people would point out it twice as fast than if someone else might have slipped and we don't slip as much <laughs> now i do slip someone's gonna pull up like all these clips of me slipping now but um <laughs> but i do my best damn it <laughs> <laughs> that's all you can do anyway. everybody everybody slips at some point yeah i mean i like speedball but most of us <laughs> <laughs> speedball i don't even start on speedball pieces i'm done that's it nice hair that's it i'm done <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me a little bit more about that process for you of like prior to the to the Nick Gage match, you know, because you talk about like feeling like that was really what kind of solidified you as not just a big gay brunch wrestler, but as a GCW wrestler there. What was like for you, what was that experience like in terms of like wanting to make that that push and transition? Like obviously you are confident in your abilities. A lot of people know how talented you are based off of, you know, whether they watched Hood Slam for the past decade or have seen you pop up in, in other places here and there. But this GCW audience saw you initially as, as a, a big gay brunch wrestler. What were the challenges that you felt you had to face to kind of push past that label, so to speak, and, and really kind of put yourself in the mindset of like, no, I, I really do belong here. Uh, if you ask me, I just have to push through the curtain. Mm. So that's it. I don't feel challenged in proving I'm a wrestler because I'm a wrestler. I don't have to, I almost didn't even have to become a wrestler. I pretty much was born a wrestler. So um, 
the way like a bird is a bird and not the way like a baker is a baker because they became a baker, but I was just born one. So no, I just have to push through a curtain. That's all I need. I don't need people to, or to hype myself up or to think like really other than how can Nick and I give the best match we can? Because this guy's an artist, just like me. We're both just telling a story. I've said this before and I really liked it. So I'll say it again. Um, He's an artist, just instead of a paintbrush, he uses a pizza cutter. And if, with that mindset, I'm just putting a match together like I always do. You know, I'm thinking about what are my strengths and his weaknesses? How can I look out for his strengths? How can I exploit that, those weaknesses of his? And, you know, what, what, uh, what can this wrestler do to beat this man with a pizza cutter? <laughs> it's you know, the age-old question i'm selling i don't I don't have pizza cutters in my bag you've got them everywhere so <laughs> like when you're just that person now that person is i'm this person and that person's across from me like it's just that's how every wrestling match develops you know yeah so no i didn't feel anything in that sense as far as that approach now when they asked me to do it it was very just like hey will you wrestle nick gage and i was like yeah I said, fuck yeah. Uh, like after like 40 minutes of thinking about it. And <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it, you know. Um, like I said, he's an artist, I'm an artist. I didn't really worry much past that. Um, I'm a wrestler, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um I, I don't wanna pick on him, I'm not gonna do like something that would make someone get their throat cut <laughs> during a big match. <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah, I'll just say that. No, I mean, I would hope not, honestly. <laughs> sure. I hope my opponents don't do that either. Yeah. Uh, you know, it happens in matches sometimes. So. Yeah, it does. I've definitely seen it. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I, It's interesting to, to kind of, like, just look at the different sort of, like, landmark spots. You know, like, obviously, the gauge is a big one. I felt like AJ Gray was another big one for you um and then of course the match with ali at the uh, at the um the third big gay brunch in chicago mm-hmm. um what was talk to me a bit about like about that event and that match with ali because it really felt like you know that was the first time that you've been back on the big gay brunch stage since you kind of like had solidified yourself a bit in terms of you know, obviously not for you. You always have confidence. You had confidence in yourself. You knew what you were capable of. But in terms of the audience that was there for, for you, like that, that felt like a, a really big moment there uh, to kind of jump back into that scene that's focused on LGBTQ wrestlers and to deliver the kind of match that you and Ali did that honestly, that that whole event was just full of um, outstanding matches of all different types, but yet like Alley Catch and Dark Sheik, I think like stood out among all of them in, in a distinct way. What was your approach whenever you, you knew that match was coming up and, and did you see that that stage being back on the Big Gate Bunch as something that you really wanted to do like something special for or was it just like one of those matches where you know it's just go out and and do my thing and know that people are going to respond in the way that they do 
Uh, I mean, you know, that's special to me too, but <laughs> <laughs> I think my, that's also special, but absolutely. I think um, Wrestling Alley is something I've like looked forward to for a long time. And Big Gay Brunch is, is just, you know, it's a WrestleMania weekend. It's, it gets all this hype and it's deserved and the card is exceptional. And I looked up and down it and I said, well, fuck, like here's the Edith and Zeta and they're going to, they're going to like do all the damn holes in wrestling. It's going to be beautiful. And uh, just here's Ashton and Jay and here's just, I, I'm not going to name every person on the show because that's what this will turn into. But just like <laughs> everyone did something like so unique and exceptional and that there was physicality. There was, uh, there was like hardcore, there was high flying, there was mat wrestling, there was character, there was like everything was exceptional. So I just wanted to do something that would be different. I didn't want to be like, okay, now here's another wrestling or high flying match. I want our match to have a bit of like some meanness to it or some edge to it. I'm not exactly sure. I think the word I used in, in describing it was creepiness. Um, but maybe not in the way that's traditionally used. But that is kind of what inspired like the Kaneki mask that I wore from Tokyo Ghoul for it. I wanted it to have like a sinister vibe to it because I felt all these other matches were like so beautiful and like explosive. And I, was, and I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I wanted it to feel different. Um, like a black rose blooming. I think that's a pretty accurate description for, for what that match was. Yeah. Good. It works. Cool. <laughs> and I did not I didn't mean to like sound reductive or anything about like, you know, the, the response from, from the fans and, and that whole mindset. Because I know like that is a very, very um deeply held thing for you. I mean, it's one of the reasons why the Church of Wrestling exists, you know. So like what about that makes it like so so deeply held for you and was there any um difference to that feeling with that crowd in particular considering like just the sheer amount of people that were there to support a, a show like the big gay brunch as compared to like you know the crowd that we saw in tampa or the crowd that we saw in in indianapolis i, I just feel the energy you know i don't like count the people so yeah. i can tell you that um it was amazing. The moment that I like really always think back on, and I can't like be back in it, but I've seen the pictures of it. And it's when we're both sitting and looking at each other. Um, we're like, I think I had just taken a pile drive and I do like a neck press and we're staring at each other and the crowd is like feeling that moment with us. And it just made it this magical thing because of course you can do like a triple moonsault and get a pop. Or maybe you hit like, um, you know, you're, you're in the struggle of a submission hold. But the stuff that really gets me is like when Piper would raise an eyebrow or The Rock, you know, Piper would raise his eyebrows and the audience would know or like a really more modern example is Randy Orton just puts his hands on the top rope in the corner and people know that punch is coming. He doesn't have to signal, he doesn't have to shout. Um, that's another one, but this was the first time this was more organic, you know, it wasn't something that we necessarily, we didn't talk about, but we were just there looking at each other and it was this organic moment that it wasn't about the move that just happened, but it was the emotion of this whole experience. Um, 
that's something that I take away the most from it. You know, that, that was something special. I don't know if it'll be like that, you know, if that's something I can ever like find again because it happened on its own. But, but I'm excited about all the other things I'll find. So there's new stuff every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that that is very true, especially in the, in the world of pro wrestling. It feels like there is something, there's always something on the horizon out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, art, you know, there's always something new. You, like, you'd think every painting had been painted by now, but nope, there's always a new one coming out. Exactly. I feel like I feel like the the minds that are at the helm in, in pro wrestling now really are feeling. It almost feels like there's been like barriers kind of taken off of like where pro wrestling can go in terms of exploration. Obviously, you you yourself have been doing a lot of that with you know everything that hood slam represents i mean i I feel like there's hardly anything that (laughs) any real like boundaries on on hood slam in a way you know in a positive light so but do you feel like some of that like what we what you did at hood slam what we've seen that the influence of hood slam has has spread out more not to say that like all creativity, the new forms of creativity that we're seeing in pro wrestling come back to Hood Slam. But there is no denying that Hood Slam has been an influential company. Um, you know, when you look at a show like GCW, which is breaking all these records and like doing things like in a way that no one's done in decades and definitely not without a TV deal, like it's hard to say, like, did we inspire much? Like probably not with them. They, they did their own stuff and they're paving their own new course. Um, and there's a lot of other companies, I think anyone with their own vision of what a show should be that they haven't seen before is doing something new. But here's something I would ask is like 11 or 12 years ago, were there shows in warehouses where they were just 21 and up or were we all trying to get the kids there and the whole family? Mm. Um, were there chairs? I feel like we're the first ones that have people standing up. And were they smoking weed and getting drunk? Like... <laughs> Maybe sometimes, but not too much. No, that was pretty much us too. Uh, and then you see like the integration of burlesque and music. And I won't take total credit for everything because there was a incredibly strange wrestling in San Francisco that was not something I ever saw, but it was definitely like not even pro wrestlers. It's super bizarre. Um, and there's also a Lucha Vavoom. And, you know, uh, there's other stuff out there that's been zany, but I think that our punk rock, underground, anti-culture, party wrestling vibe. Um, yeah, you've seen an explosion of it. It went from one thing on the West Coast to like, almost just like a new standard of what wrestling looks like. Um, I would say, at least it's a lot of the shows that I'm on, you know, it's, it's different. It seems, it seems to be like it's something that's taken over. And that was always the goal, to show that wrestling can be fun. It wasn't for me to like, lord over it um it was for me to show people that they can enjoy this again once they stop thinking about doing it in the way they've been forced to do it and told it was the only way it could work by people who've never made it work very specifically <laughs> um so yeah yeah i totally invented all that shit you know and also just like we were in the la times and new york times and we did an opera and we did all these cosplay shows and we did time travel and we did fucking we put the show on for free streaming for like 90 straight weeks and yeah. and you know and 
now I see other people do streaming stuff weekly and it's cool. It's good for them. I never saw them do that many in a row or do it for free, but it's nice that they're trying to do it the best of their abilities as we've tried to show people that these things can be done. Um, that's why I praised GCW at the beginning of this because they're doing things that I never did. Um, I made a really nice home base in the Bay. And we've done LA and Vegas and Reno and Sacramento and, you know, Humboldt. We've, we've covered pretty much a whole coast. Like when you look at how big, how many people know how big California is. We did a lot. These guys are nationwide. They're yeah. beyond that. They're doing pay-per-view and they're bringing in Jeff Jarrett and X-Pac and comedians and uh, just, just all, all kinds of stuff all the time. You know, I'm thoroughly impressed by that. Because it's their vision. It's not another version of mine. Um, anyway, yes, very happy for us. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it does speak to like the idea of having a vision for, for what pro wrestling can be. And I felt like, I, I I personally feel like the vision that you had for Hood Slam has definitely spread throughout a lot of places. You know, it has become a standard in a way. I mean, you know, I, I, there's not really like a a one-to-one in terms of like what we've seen in, in terms of the rise of the no ring deathmatch stuff. But I see a similar vein in, in what, you know, Casanova Valentine and a number of other people have been doing with that scene as to like what was watching the growth of hood slam in a way, just finding a new way of making wrestling fun and, and giving it a different presentation that can pull in audiences that, you know, aren't being served in a way yeah i think the the biggest thing i did actually if i can just take back everything i just said (laughs) i showed that people can do it themselves with their own ideas yes that it's worth trying because regardless of what i should or shouldn't get credit for i tried something as a as a worker you know i didn't just let people continue to use us as toy soldiers i tried to to do something that maybe uh fulfilled the performers because these are my friends and myself so I bet on us at, mm. at cost to myself, to be honest, but 100% worthwhile. And I think that if it's something I've inspired in others, then like I feel lucky for the opportunity to have done that. All right, Jens. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black Design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboyotm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show 
the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. You know, it, it is pretty apt that we, we talk about, like, you know, the influence that Hoslem has had and, and the, the legacy that Hoslem has had and, and you um, just through that connection with Hoslem and, and founding and everything, because I feel like there are two key things coming up that um, really speak to the impact of, of both your legacy and Hoslem's legacy. Um, or rather, one thing that's coming up and one thing that's already happened. Because one, we've seen Hoodslam come back in, in the time that that we, uh, the time since you've been on the podcast, um, with amazing crowds, like thousands of people coming out to Hoodslam shows again, and also you being announced as one of the honorees in, at Paris Honors coming up uh, this mm-hmm. summer at Pride and Vibe Weekend. Um, Let's talk about Hood Slam first, because okay. the return of Hood Slam um, has been truly a magical thing to see. Um, not just because you know I think a lot of people were really excited to see Hood Slam come back post uh, post their pandemic break, um, but to see the response that that has come from that, to see y'all pulling two thousand plus people. At these, uh, these like at this outdoor venue that you have, um, it's just bewildering and heartwarming all at the same time. And not necessarily because it's like you don't expect it, because Hood Slam has a popularity; it has a, a, a name value in that way. People know that they want to go to a Hood Slam show, but to see it flood back so quickly. I don't know. That, from my perspective, that was amazing to see. I don't know. From from your perspective, what was it like to see the, the response to Slam coming back? Um, a bit terrifying because I've never been responsible for so much. And when I was responsible for half as much, it was, you know, at the culmination of, of many steps. I'd climbed up this mountain. Now I've like left that mountain for a while. and I'm just being dropped back, you know, twice as high as I've ever been. Um, and there's a little bit of scariness to that, but also I would define those days as to someone with a different mindset, like the best days of their life, because you're seeing something that you work so hard on um, reach new peaks. So in that sense, I love it. And it's just great, like, yeah, I'm not surprised because we we are a part of Oakland and we were gone we didn't fade away, we were missed. Um, people have... I, I go anywhere in Oakland and people see the hood slam shirt in San Francisco. People see the shirt and they know what it means. And there's something that I'm very touched by that. Um, I feel really grateful by it, for it. And that's like to the crew and to the fans who have followed me on this zany adventure. I think one thing about it that really speaks to me is just like how much did change in that period from, you know, when hood slam stopped running to when they when whenever it came back because like we've had a lot of people like relocate we've had a lot of people 
like like yourself and other people associated with Hood Slam, like gain higher profiles and work at other places. And um, it's it's just amazing to see like how much things change. Hood Slam is able to kind of change with it. And, you know, you've spoken to that in previous, you know, previous times that we've spoken about like, you know, whenever Hood Slam does come back, it may not be the exact same thing. And, and that that's a good thing to see, you know, that, that Hood Slam has an ability to evolve and change in, in that way. Um, how do you personally feel like what we've seen from Hood Slam at, at events like March 4th, for example, compared to where Hood Slam was at two years ago uh, before, it, before everything shut down with the pandemic? hard to answer um i think i mean it's definitely good like you know i'm not sure how to compare it uh better or worse just things change and as much as we like to go back to what's comfortable like you can't go back you can only go forward and if you're if you're trying to find something that's already gone away instead of trying to integrate with something new you're going to find that you're butting your head against a wall because that thing isn't there anymore. And the only thing that's there is the, the evolved version of it that you can like or not like, really, you know, but. Yeah, yeah. I guess, the, sorry, go ahead. No, that's, that's really it, go ahead. No, really you know, <laughs> I was gonna say like, I guess it's not really a question of like better or worse and more so just like, what was your thought process whenever like you, you knew that Slam was going to come back and it was going to come back in some different form than than it was previously like what what was the expectation for you or what was the thought process for you in kind of putting together what hood slam would be in like late 2021 early 2022 versus what what everybody saw the last time y'all were in the the oakland metro opera house In 2020, in March, right before we shut down, we were running four to six shows a month, sometimes more. Um, definitely one every week. And we had a roster that could jump around. Maybe some of them had four, six bookings a month. Maybe some only did a couple. Um, but there was so much to work with. We had sister shows like Glam and Sexy Good Time Wrestle Show, where we could have room to do things that maybe we could put onto a regular Hood Slam show, but there's so much that we want to do there which now is kind of what we're just left with um is the hood slam show where we have everything we need to do <laughs> in, a, in a three-hour window so i can't bring in a whole roster for glam or we can't do as much cosplay um like a whole video game show in these three hours so it's, it's trying to still satisfy that and to make room for all of my friends who were on the show two years ago and have missed it and and this is so important to them, but also to make room for new people because while my friends are great wrestlers, like a lot of them just do hood slam. And it's nice to have someone who's like 22 and is like trying to travel the country get this shine as well. So I bring in a Titus Alexander or Sandra Moon and Milo and um, gosh, you know, I'd like to bring in a Jack Cartwheel or just just other people, David Al. I think it'd be great if they could get some of like this one like to be on a you know higher stage of hood slam and also to um to have experience in front of a crowd of that size because it's different and it's fun it's not something to be afraid of it's very like rejuvenating and i like them to feel that um jody another good one 
so I'm trying to fit in my whole like people I'm loyal to and I'm trying to make room for new people that none of us really even know but I think that they could benefit from this and then I'm also trying to have like serious matches for the people that might come watch me from GCW you got to have something like that's really good wrestling and then Hood Slam also has a whole crowd that doesn't even like wrestling they like that we're silly and in costumes um and you just try and balance it all with also new storylines easy <laughs> has has that proven to be a bit more difficult than like whenever you were running four to six shows a, a month um it's easier in that i can focus on one event at a time instead of focusing on like what are we doing three months from now which is my mindset then if you ask me like what day it was back in 2020 i tell you it was three months ahead because that's what i was always thinking about now i'm just thinking about you know this one show and that's i'm limited by how much i can fit but um there's a focus to it of what of what i can like save for later almost you know you, it's really easier to decide um so it's a different mindset you know i also had the the readiness of like i'm doing this every week so i'm in my flow i know how this goes i know everything now like i haven't even seen the venue until the day i show up for the show and like people are still working on it we're letting people in an hour late and like it's chaotic um but that's it plan it's fine it's life gotta go go with this flow sometimes you know yeah yeah for sure i mean uh, in in many ways that's kind of sounds like you know pro wrestling in an instance you know yeah it's, yeah it's on a bigger scale you know it's the thing about every match and like one big show is like one big match so it's difficult when i haven't done it every week for so long and, um you know i don't know it's chaos yes <laughs> i don't know what's happening i haven't done this for two years i've done it three times and since 2020 like sure i had great great momentum then but now it's you know, it's, it's just like picking anyone else off the street to do this. Who knows how it will go? <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you're kind of getting some momentum back now that, that you've been able to run like a couple shows monthly here and there? Yeah, I mean, there's a magic in the air and I can tap to it. Before it was just always with me and now I kind of have to search for it, but it's still always there. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just... um just shifting into that mindset it's not as a it's not the constant it was now it's something i actually have to go into and because i'm wrestling a different show every weekend like before i just did hood slam every week so i wasn't really trying to get out that much um now it's all i do is leave town so <laughs> it's just, that's, that's what i mean by shifting mindsets back into that i don't know how like <laughs> I keep saying nice things about him, but like I don't know how GCW like does it because for me, running a show every week was tough. They're doing it in a different city, and they're doing it two shows a weekend. And like, this is badass. I'm, I'm like, how do you do it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I should ask him. He <laughs> <laughs> tell me if I ask him. I just I'm like I don't want to put in that work. I already know, so I haven't bothered. <laughs> Oh, well, um, I did want to talk to you a bit about this Paris Honors uh, yeah. as well, because, oh you know, you as well as Eddie McQueen and uh, Larry Legend are the second class 
of Paris Honors. Going to be honored at Paris's bumping as part of Pride and Vibe Weekend by Pro Wrestling Vibe coming up in June. Um, not only that, you're in the main event of Paris's bumping in ah. the first ever all trans women main event that we've seen. It's a four way you, Candy Lee, Edith Surreal, and Mariah Moreno. Mm-hmm. My God. Um, it's shaping up for a big summer. I'll say that much uh, for you, but um, I, I, we'll talk about the match a little bit uh, in, in a second, but I want to talk about this, this Paris Honors because obviously, you know, this is a um, creation of Billy Dixon to honor um, our community in the pro wrestling world. You know, it's still young, but it has a lot of prominence and significance to the people that are, you know, part of the LGBTQ community. And I would say it probably bleeds out beyond that as well. What was it like for you whenever you found out that you were going to be part of this year's class of Paris Honors? I'm really touched by it. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that the stuff I was working on was felt, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know. I just was trying to do good, <laughs> but it turns out that people saw it and they felt good about it so I'm not really good at taking compliments so it's um unless I'm gonna be like conceited about it and be like of course I'm amazing like I'm really not good at it so I don't really feel like pulling that right now because it I'll save that for the day of that day you'll get all the um Emma Frost coldness speech but today it's very touching um, especially coming from Billy, who is someone who I admire in wrestling so much, mm. for breaking all these barriers and for doing things his own way. When I watched, when Paris and Bumming first happened, I was like, well, this is it. This is someone doing, like I said, their own vision. They're making something in wrestling that did not exist before because they felt it was missing. And he just like nailed it, knocked it out of the park. And to have someone who's so creative and talented and then also a great wrestler and a promoter um, feel like uh, I'm worth honoring means a lot to me. He's number one QWI gay wrestler of the world, you know? So yeah. it's nice that he likes me. I love it. I love him. Um, yeah. Touched, I guess. So like my heart, I just, I just become soft and like melty and, and I, I don't cry yet, but I might later. <laughs> Well, don't sell yourself short. You were number three on that QWI list. So, like, that. Well, I know. I, I know. I know you know. <laughs> just, oh, I don't let's know. give it up for number one, though. It's number yeah. one top. Okay. <laughs> 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 I love it. No, he, for sure. Deservedly so, by the way. I'm making these jokes about it. Like, for real. Like, that was a big list to be on top of. That was like, it was so cool to see all of us. And and when I saw, but when I saw I was number three, I wasn't sure what number I would be. I was kind of looking for me around like fifty, maybe more like thirty. Like I was like, all right, the twenties, the tens, and I was like, oh shit, like did they forget about me? And then <laughs> I got down to three, and I was like, wow, I know exactly who's above. I know who it is, and um, it's and it's perfect. So. <laughs> Again, just to be to be honored by the honored is is um, a wonderful feeling. Honored by the honorable. 
no, I, it is it is a huge a huge honor, and I was very happy to see that that you were selected for for this year's class there, and I'm I'm sure it's going to be a very um, touching ceremony there in June whenever you are able to you know accept that honor in in person in the ring there, and one thing that really stood out to me, and you know it's something that we've talked about before, and it always comes up and will always come up whenever I think about Dark Sheik. Um, is it seeing that honor and seeing the run you've had with GCW and, and other promotions, you know, um, over the past year plus or so, it all brings me back to that first moment whenever the first Big Gay Brunch was announced before the pandemic hit and everything, and you said the West Coast has something to say. I, it, it, I don't know why, per se, but it always comes back to that moment for me because it feels like that kind of sparked a lot of what we've been seeing not just from you but also just the region as a whole you know whether it be companies like prestige and defy coming back and and making marks for the wider pro wrestling world there or seeing a number of um talents from this region being featured on some of these bigger shows um like the big gay brunch like pro wrestling vibes shows um because like there's a number of outstanding West Coast uh, LGBTQ talents that are going to be at Pride and Vibe Weekend whenever you're getting this honor, whenever you're making that historic main event there happen. Um, for you, like, I don't know, do you still think about that comment for yourself when it comes to, like, the things that you're that you're doing in pro wrestling now? Or does, does that ever come up where, like, you think, okay, now people are listening in, in that context to the West Coast? Yeah, I stopped saying it because people listened. People were very gracious and um, and heard my call and the call of many others. And, and you know, LA Fights and, and Hood Slam and UGWA, Prestige, West Coast Pro. Um, so many companies have, have stood up and and given us a platform and mostly we we couldn't get footage of ourselves we couldn't get it out and if we did it's almost like people wouldn't take it seriously but people were very like i said gracious and they heard us and i don't feel like i need to um, make this claim anymore i think people know about west coast wrestling i don't think there's one box for it either because you see um i still always mention heather monroe i know she was not in the west anymore LA Train, Heather Monroe, and Vipers, who's in Florida now, but myself, who's in Vegas, Sandra Moon, um, Titus Alexander, Jack Cartwheel, Jay Vidal, um, B-Boy. <laughs> Kevin Hell Black yeah. was on our side now, and I think they're happy with that. I don't think they're upset. Um, <laughs> so many wrestlers up and down. I could name, you know, Chupacabra, Drugs Bunny, Juice Lee, the Stoner Brothers, everyone from Hood's Plan, Funny Bone. Um, all these people that are wonderful. Did I say D-Rogue yet? Juicy? Like, um, Nicole Savoy? Like, how how long have you got? I mean, um, I'm, I have no timetable. Right. But I could keep going for a long time. Vinny Massaro. Um, we're out here. We're doing things. Um, and people are seeing it. And they're... I feel like before it was almost like people didn't want people to know about us. They, they like PWG being the only representation of West Coast, even though it was mostly East Coast or out-of-town performers, and still is. Um, 
So it's nice that we can be seen. That was a big goal of mine when Hood Slam became a thing was I wanted my friends to be seen before they die because it was a thing that was happening. And now it's not as big a concern of mine, you know? No, for sure. And, and I think you, know, you brought up LA fights in, in that list. I feel like that's putting a lot of focus there because, you know, I think people like, like Jay Vidal, like Sandra Moon, like Keita Murray, you know, yeah, are yeah. getting and are getting a lot more looks because of, you know, participating on LA fight shows, which by yeah. the way, I was very pleased to see you and Sandra main event the first one. That seemed like a, a no brainer in my mind. I was happy to see, I didn't know we would be main event, um, nor that I would be main event most other time, but I'm very happy with this. Peter Avalon, who I wrestled with the last one, was also a very fun match to have. Um, I'm such a talented performer. It's, there's just so many folks. And like a lot of LA fights is just SoCal too. Like we haven't even touched, like there's, there's a central California scene, which is still yet to really get its due. There's so much happening out here. Um, the best is probably yet to come. Uh, I feel you. I feel like I feel the same way kind of about like the Pacific Northwest where I'm up at. Like there's there's plenty of people that are still waiting for for that a bit of a breakout spot there. Uh, but not Nick. Or, so, huh? <laughs> oh, yes, not, well, Nick, not Nick. No, not Nick. <laughs> Nick transcends <laughs> the region. <laughs> He's talking about being born a wrestler. God, yes. Forget me. Let's put him on that. Think, don't, don't think you both me. can have that. Uh, well, sure, we'll both share. Let's there you go. <laughs> well, before we move on, move off of Paris is, is bumping, I do have to ask you about this main event because mm-hmm. like, this is something that you know we've never seen before in pro wrestling. Um, you know, it, it sucks that 2022 we're still having first, but honestly, um, this one seems like the perfect way to do this. I know. Last year's Paris's bumping was originally supposed to be a, this this uh, historic match with Mariah and, and Edith, but now one year later, um, we have you and Candy added to the mix for a four way that really puts a spotlight on trans identities and progressing at a time in this country where you know attacks on on trans identities are incredibly heightened at at, at this point. Um, for you, what kind of personal significance is it to be not only put in the main event of Paris's bumping, but be put in a main event against so many other like high profile and um, really accomplished uh, trans individuals? It means a lot. I think it's wonderful because we all are different people. We're not, you know, it's not the same trans girl um, fighting herself we're all very dynamic individuals with our own personalities um i think just for representation for people like us whether they be trans or um or or really just anything just for people to see people being their most honest and beautiful selves i think is inspiring so here you have four people who are very much themselves you know when we come to the ring um there we are it's it's not a it's not the Undertaker. It's not <laughs> it's not something like that. It's it's me. It's it's Edie. It's Mariah. It's Candy. So 
and this is really, I mean, I should preface that I'm speaking for myself. I don't mean to speak for them. But I think just people are inspired by seeing someone who is very much himself. And again, not necessarily a even LGBTQ um, specific trait or specific quality. It's just people just, we all could be better at being us. So hopefully this inspires in that way. I know that all of them are inspirational to me. Um, I chuckled because Candy's Twitter is my inspiration. Um, <laughs> but Edie inspires me um, to be, I'll save that. I'll hold on to that one. Mm. But Mariah is someone who I've wrestled a long time ago as well. And I didn't know our paths would cross in such an important way because there's a lot I didn't know about myself then. I at least wasn't ready to discuss. But they've always been a good friend. They've always been someone who I've seen as a talented performer. And to see her, shoot, to meet her in the ring again is going to be something special. Oh, it's been about I, eight or nine years. But she used yeah. to do hood slam all the time. <laughs> I I know that myself and, and uh, countless others are very, very excited for, for that match to happen and to see this just wonderful image of representation of authenticity on display there. It really is, and honestly, it speaks to the spirit of Paris's bumping. It speaks to the spirit of a lot of pro wrestling, honestly, or at least what pro wrestling should be. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I could use more authenticity. I, I agree. I think I think it's going to be special. I know that much. Not even what I think. I know it'll be special. And it's something that it's nice to have for wrestling. We don't have to ever say, no, that's never been. Now we can say it has been. And I'm grateful to Billy for that. Yeah. Well, before we get there, though, you have a couple stops coming up at the end of the month for WrestleMania week. Obviously, the collective is going down. You have a match on the LA Fights versus JCW card against Charles Mason, which uh, I, I can only imagine has gotten a bit more intense now, considering you choked out the man with a plastic bag uh, well, recently. You did that to me first. I know, I know, okay. but it's just like I'm not. I, trust me, there's no criticism there. You know, eye for an eye, but it yeah. was just you know, it, it's it's always a striking image, and and I think that sometimes. People don't necessarily, let's put it this way, people that may be jumping on the dark sheet uh, train of, of the past like year plus maybe don't have the knowledge of, of drowning and that sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> and don't know just how, like, how deep you can get into these sort of things. So like, I think seeing that image of you using the plastic bag on, on Charles Mason was definitely striking for a number of people. Um, but also alongside that same point, you have a match against Paro at the Big Gay Brunch. So you have a fun week ahead of you coming up, I'd say. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I look forward to both. I think that the fight with Mason is about air, so I will be fire. And the fight with Paro is like fighting a mountain or earth, so I will be water. This is my strategy going into it. It's not a bad strategy, honestly. Thank you. No. I think um, 
you know what? There's a part of me that I I'm really happy. <laughs> I'm really happy that Charles Mason brought it out because it likes to be out. I like to get. Ah, uh, you know, I don't. There's a part of me that does. There's a little. There's a little um, shadow that doesn't like to be in the dark. They like to be in the light. They don't like to be a shadow, but they're happy to be back out and to have a good reason to be let out because if I let them out for the wrong reason, I usually regret it. But when I let them out on Charles Mason, I don't think I'm going to regret it. I don't think you are either. Uh, no. That honestly, like, Charles Mason is someone who needs to be put in their place. So Did you notice that nobody from JCW came to help him? Yep. Peter <laughs> Avalon came to help me and we just wrestled. <laughs> nobody it's, from Jersey came to help him. It I'm speaks to Charles Mason's character. The fans were happy that I from LA Fights attacked Charles Mason. <laughs> so, I think that says everything. Doesn't it? It sure does say a lot. The voices that do not come to defend him are definitely. I want to ask a little bit more about this Paro match because obviously Big Game Brunch is always a big stage. Um, and, you know, Paro, much like yourself, has a history of, of delivering memorable moments. Like obviously at the, the Big Game Brunch Chicago show, his match with Jordan Blade was a, a spectacle um, mm. in and of itself. Mm. Um, what are your expectations like being able to st stepping into the ring with Pero? Um, you know, someone who, like yourself, has been kind of a big gay brunch original. And what are you what are you looking forward to the most with, with having that, that interaction with Pero? I'm gonna get some crazy hang time somewhere, somehow. I just hope I land where I want to. That's the most I can tell you that I expect right now without giving away too much of my strategy but he is probably as big well as strong as anyone i've wrestled and <laughs> i'm not worried about that um gosh it's gonna be fun for two of us to get in the ring here's something that strikes me yeah is that i've noticed that Paro has said Effie is doing this as a favor to me because Effie retweeted all these clips of Dark Sheets giving me the stomp in Hammerstein. Is it Hammerstein? I don't know. But there was a point in the, in the rumble where I gave Pero a stomp from the heavens and came down like fast like lightning, hard like thunder, and took him off his feet. And he, it was retweeted a lot because it was awesome. I looked great. And he said that Effie giving him this match with me was a favor. I don't think that Pero realizes that this was not a favor to him. Um, just maybe he forgot when he set a glass table on fire and powerbombed Effie through it in Orlando. I was there, I remember it. Um, perhaps this is less of a favor to Pero and more of a favor to Effie that I am performing another way to consider but i guess we each have our own stories i mean no one ever sees himself as the villain right i don't mind seeing myself that way <laughs> you know I'm not, i don't have any beef with pharaoh but i've been put on a path with him in it and though he may be a mountain 
I will wrestle a mountain to the ground. I, I just love the way that you put things sometimes. <laughs> it's just, it feels both inspirational and violent at the same time. And I can get behind <laughs> that. <laughs> That's showbiz, baby. Hey. <laughs> well, I, I know me for one, like I'm, I'm looking forward to both of those matches coming up uh, throughout the, the litany of pro wrestling that we're going to get over the course of that week there. Um, but, you know, as we wind down here a bit, I did want to ask you one more thing. And you, and you kind of brought it up a little bit with, uh, with Pero, uh, the Hammerstein show. Yeah. Um, because obviously, like that was a huge, huge deal for GCW. You were uh, there in the uh, the Battle Royal on that show. Um, what was that? What was your takeaway from that experience? Like, obviously, like you've been, you've, you know, Hood Slam has drawn thousands. That and so you've worked in front of crowds like that size before. But was there any yeah. special significance with the Hammerstein itself and being able to to kind of enter that building? Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't like in the morning I was nervous. When I got to the building, I was calm because I usually try and like have that mindset going into my match. And then I think it was right after I hit that stomp, I kind of like turn and, and stand up from the ground and I look up and I'm like, wow, this is, this is the spot. Like, this is it. Seeing it from inside the ring made it a lot more real for me because I've seen it on television a lot. And now I could take all those, all those ECWs I watched um, the one night stands, but also uh, like the, or whichever one it was, excuse me if I got it wrong. But all the stuff I used to watch, because I watched ECW in the 90s, um, all of a sudden had a new meaning to me, which I was very grateful to GCW and, and really everyone that's ever, you know, put me over and helped me get there. Because it took, it took a part of my past and it made it part of my present, which is not often something I get. I'm usually very forward driven and this was nice to have it loop around. Hmm. No, I can definitely see, like... What a weird way of saying that. It was something I saw as a kid. It was great. It <laughs> I mean, it's not what I'm saying. No, but, I, yeah. totally. But I mean, like, it has, it does have a poetic nature to it, though. I mean, yeah. you know, it does kind of have this, this sort of, like, literary mindset that you can apply to it. Never you, especially knowing, like, the, the, significance of that building to to so many people in pro wrestling and and yeah. having the chance to have a moment on the same stage like yeah like i think there's that is exactly how i think that would impact somebody honestly at the end of the show i'm in the ring and nick gage is talking and i look up and there's fucking bill alfonso and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what did he get here and then like <laughs> earlier in the show like 911 son big ben like Slammed me in front of 911 at this building, <laughs> and it's it's surreal. And Xbox, I went to the I went out to the by the ring, not by the ring, in the crowd for the Xbox uh, part where he ran out, not knowing he would be there. I just mean I was out there already, and I saw him. And I was like, fuck yeah, like Xbox. This is something um, that still speaks to the fan in me. So it was special. I got to enjoy it from from the crowd, from the ring, from backstage, from deep, like, in the underbelly of the building that no one ever gets to see. And, you know, it's just nice to be a part of things. And it's in New York. New York is so cool. Like, I love California, I think, is like kind of paradise. But um, 
when you're in New York, you can't help but be like, oh shit, like Spider Man, like Doctor Strange, Ninja Turtles, like X Men, <laughs> like all this shit's all around you. It's the whole fucking comic book universe. Daredevil's there, and then, oh, this is where so and so hangs out. And, like, it's just to me very exciting on that silly level. <laughs> <laughs> But I've seen it in every movie. Like the Bay Bridge, I'm sorry, the Golden Gate Bridge you see in every movie, the Red Bridge. Yeah. You know, Golden Gate. And it always gets destroyed. It's like, huh, oh yeah. Is that bridge that always gets smashed. Like New York is always like the heart of the epic battle. And, and like the people are like, yeah, don't mess with Spider Man. Hey. And like it's super, that's, that's me doing an impression. Excuse me. I, I don't feel good about it. Let's do it now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, that's my Spider Man 2 impression. And like, there's like a, a love to it that, um, you know, we don't get in the Bay Area films. No one's ever like, San Francisco is here for you, like, you know, the Hulk or Abomination. Like, <laughs> it's, there, it's there in New York. Um, yeah. So I love it. No, it's a it's a very fitting encapsulation, I think. I, I get that, I I that same thing. Use it, you know. Yeah. Like everything <laughs> I just said felt off, but go for it. <laughs> no, just... Keep it in. I don't know. I know it. I'm aware. You know. <laughs> I'll say, yeah, I remember. Uh, well, Sheik, <laughs> it is always great to have the chance to sit down and catch up. Yeah, yeah. Let's end on that. Yep, that's it. Yep. <laughs> Good. I want that to be the last thing people remember. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's been fun. <laughs> no this was a lot of fun it's always fun to catch up with you and, and to mm. chat and i thank you again for taking the time to chat today um let everybody know where they can find you online and, and anything you got coming up that you want to plug sure i'm at dark chic ftf on social media and gmail um i got these coins out you can buy a coin if you write me that's pretty cool you can catch me at you know hood slam gcw prestige UGWA. I think I'm doing an event with Lucha Libre and Laughs and Denver, um, you know, Texas. I'm really just kind of fucking everywhere. So if you follow me, sooner or later I'll come to your town. Um, assuming this wave of momentum doesn't just hit a wall and I get dropped off the planet. But so far, so good. So fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I from good. from my perspective, yeah. I don't see that 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 momentum falling off any cliff anytime soon no so. in fact i think it's growing into new exciting ventures and endeavors so yeah you know catch me while you can you can say i saw her before she was famous <laughs> before she changed oh, well thank you she <laughs> thank you this has been fun my thanks once again to dark chic for taking the time to to chat about you know everything that's been going on for her and all these uh, amazing accolades and matches that she has coming up. Um, she is one of a kind and there's a reason why she is so uh, closely held by so many people um, in and around pro wrestling. Um, yeah. Always a pleasure to, to sit down with her and, and to chat. Even if it isn't about pro wrestling, I'll trust me. Like, I'll talk comic books. Um, although she will run miles around me uh, when it comes to that, but that, that's fine too. I don't care. I'm here for the education, honestly. Um, but that is going to do it for us this week. Uh, next week we have one more show right on the cusp 
of WrestleMania weekend before we get into all of the festivities around that going on down in Dallas. And I can safely announce who our guest is next week. Um, because there's only one way to kick off WrestleMania weekend. You talk to the person who's throwing a big game brunch. Come back next week, we'll get a nice little rundown and preview and long talking to from the one and only Effie. Yes, Evie is back on the show next week. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a good primer for WrestleMania weekend. And just because we feel always feel the need to reiterate it, Effie is fine. And he'll prove why next week on the show. <laughs> but until then, uh, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. And you know what? I'm going to... We did it. Last week, we'll do it again. Happy birthday again to Mateo Valentine.